listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from DenverStiffs.com, Adam Mades. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Locked on Nuggets podcast, part of Locked on NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades from DenverStiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to the show. And then also on Twitter, you could follow... The writers of Denver Stiffs, you can follow the Denver Stiffs account. Also, you're going to want to follow the Locked On Nuggets account. I'm going to try to be much more interactive there. You know, filling five shows in a week, which I aim to do Monday through Friday, it can be kind of tough because, um, you know, some days there's just not a whole lot to talk about. So I want to do a lot more uh, mailbag type stuff, which I am starting with tonight. So if you're following Denver Stiffs on the Instagram account, I am doing a live mailbag right now. So questions as they come in. That's going to be today's show. So if you want to be interactive, you want to follow us on all of those sites, definitely follow me on Twitter so that you can start to know when we're going to do that. Without further ado, let's get into it. I see a couple questions already coming through. I have a couple from Twitter. First one comes in from LRig16. Remember the good old days of the Nuggets half-court offense? I do remember those days. Oh, they were fun days. So long ago, it seems. It's funny because, I mean, it is sad. The Nuggets offense, especially the half-court offense, is like not even comparable at the moment. Um, watching film over the summer and trying to get excited for this team, it was just so cool watching the that, that offense that they had centered around Jokic and how consistent it was. Um, and, and it's just I, I, I thought there would be an adjustment period for sure with you know the addition of Paul Millsap and, so, and some of the changes to the lineup. I did not expect it to be this bad. I thought maybe the Nuggets would be like an average offense to start, and then they would move up into being like what a top five one eventually. Starting from 30th, right now, according to cleaningtheglass.com, a really great site um, which has some really cool stats, uh, they are the 30th ranked half-court offense, and it's just crazy. Um, I think very concerning. Now, not panic level. Remember, the rule of thumb, I get people asking me all this time, is it time to panic or whatever. The rule of thumb you're following me on Twitter and, and all of my platforms. I'll let you know when it's time to panic. It is not time to panic. It is time to be disappointed, maybe concerned, but panic, absolutely not. Nobody panics seven, game, seven games into the season. Let's see what else got coming in. Have you seen OG balling out? That question comes from Ben Jenkins. <laughs> yes, Ben, I have seen OG balling out. Crazy. Um OG looks like a good player. This 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 rookie class. Tell me, what do you guys think? Best rookie class since when? I'm thinking. I mean, it's been a while, and there's been some good rookie classes. I think um, if you count Jokic, not in the draft class, but if you count him in in that rookie class that came after it, I think that was a good class with Towns and Porzingis. I think this might be the best rookie class I've seen since 2003, the Carmelo, LeBron, Wade, Bosch class. This is a heck of a class. OG's been balling out, and I don't even know if he's a, what, top eight rookie right now. It's crazy. Nice idea, Adam. Julia Sanchez, appreciate it, man. I'm excited. I'm going to try to start doing these more consistently. I meant to do these on Instagram. Live. I, people that are following us on Instagram, we've fallen off a little bit since the offseason. Running the blog, you know, denverstiffs.com. We got so much content on there, but unfortunately, Instagram has taken a back seat. Um, we'll hopefully pick up here soon. What's up? What's up, Claudio? Bring back Coach Fence as head coach. No joke, man. No, I. I 
I had heard when Finch left, it's hard. I think a lot of writers speculate on the role of of assistant coaches without having really any idea what they're talking about. I know I don't really know other than things I hear. You know, I'll hear whispers of like, oh, so-and-so is the guy that draws up ATOs after timeout plays. Uh, so-and-so is the defensive coach, whatever. But we don't really know what goes on behind closed doors. But I do know that I heard a lot of rumblings over the summer of, Man, that Chris Finch, that was a tough loss. That guy was a good coach, good offensive coach. And you you look at the <laughs> – I don't think it was just losing Gallo and Jameer that has made Denver the 30th-ranked offense in the half court. So I think Coach Finch probably had a lot to do with that. How much would you – this one's coming from Claudio Quadruple – nope, 000007 on Instagram. How much would you say Coach Malone is at fault for the struggles? Um, It's a good question. This again, I want I want to make it clear that this is this is pretty this is I would say not pure speculation, but this is quite a bit of speculation because we like I just said we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Malone made me nervous at media day when he said I don't worry about the offense; the offense is going to take care of itself. He he said it over and over again. In fact, I just went back the other day and listened to the audio to make sure I hadn't misremembered. And sure enough. He talked about we're focusing on defense because the offense takes care of itself. That was the moment I, I first thought to myself, I'm a little nervous because I, in the in the NBA, execution is so important. Talent obviously carries teams, and, and there's teams that don't have to execute because they can just win on talent. But execution is so important. Knowing what spots on the court you're supposed to be is so important. The timing of screens and cuts and everything, it's, it's also important. The Nuggets look so sloppy. I think you have to lay a lot of that at the feet of the coach and the coaching staff. Um, but to say, is it that Malone's not teaching it properly, that he's not valuing the right things? I really don't know. It's so early in the season, we really don't know. But I, I would suspect that Malone was not as concerned as I think he should have been that the Nuggets offense was could take a giant step back. And I think now they're probably playing a little bit of catch up. Continuing in the after-court offense, like I get a little regression, but worst to first, just how does that happen? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I, um, it, it shouldn't be happening, especially when you look at, you know, Jokic's numbers are pretty good, who I think should be the, the number one guy on offense. He, he's still scoring well. It's not like, you know, Jamal Murray's been off. I think Emmanuel Moutier is a net negative a lot, a lot more frequently than we'd like. But 30th, come on. I mean, there's some bad teams out there. There's no way the Nuggets should be 30th in, in half-court offense. How long do you think it'll take to integrate Millsap into the offense? It's not working yet. Um, yeah, I mean, my guess is I, I've thrown out some dates on Twitter before. People have asked me this, and it's just like a, a shot in the dark. I think um, I'm, I think November 20th is the date I just threw out there. So that's like three more weeks, basically, of the Nuggets floundering. Not floundering, but slowly figuring things out. I'm going to stick to that date. I think by November 20th, you know, the Nuggets will start to climb the, the standings. Um, on offense. Agree, best since 03. Uh, this draft class is dope. So let's go off the guys. I think Ben Simmons, you know, again, we have to separate draft from rookie class because Ben Simmons wasn't in this draft, but he's a, a rookie. I think he's probably number one. Uh, Fox, I think, looks incredible. Uh, I really like Lonzo, even though the advanced metrics are, are kind of making him look a little bit poor at the moment. Um, you know, I, th th there's a lot of guys in this draft. Dennis Smith Jr., I think, is going to be a player. Um, Donovan Mitchell looks looks amazing. There's so many guys in this one. Jordan Bell, by the way, another sneaky player. Man, that guy, 
His basketball IQ is way higher than I thought. So he's another one. A lot of quality players, no stars in this draft class. I mean, proclaiming that in game seven, I'm not ready to go there. I think there's a lot of stars in this class, actually. Um, and also, star players, I think, sometimes take a little bit of time. Like, is Brandon Egram a star? At the moment, you'd say, no, he's not even a rotation player. But he has star potential. I think it just it takes a little bit of time to develop in the NBA. The, the, the amount of time it takes to develop NBA level skills, I think, is very underestimated with with most fans. Probability that Malone gets fired if the Nuggets miss the playoffs. Well, oh man, if the Nuggets miss the playoffs, I think it's probably like 90 percent. The Nuggets, I think, playoffs is a very huge goal. Assuming it's not like because of injuries or anything like that, I think um, I think this is probably a, a, a make or break type uh, season for Malone in that regard in terms of making the playoffs. So, I mean, 85%, 90%. How much should we worry about Wilson Chandler? I think that if he's played average, I think if he's played average, most of these games would have more than likely been wins. Yeah, Wilson has certainly been off this year. Um, I think, I want to say, first of all, I think defensively he's been really solid, really, really, really good for Denver. Offensively, you know, Wilson's a guy that – I think I think fans get mad because they think he plays slow or, or uninspired. And I think really what it is is he just um he's he's like the opposite of Kenneth Fareed, where Kenneth Fareed is like an all out energy and hustle guy. I think I think um Wilson plays much more in rhythm. And the rhythm is the Nuggets have been off and and I think that's why Wilson's rhythm has been off. Now you can say, Oh, well he needs to get himself going and this stuff and I agree. I mean there's I, I'm not I, I, there's a lot of player responsibility, I think, with all of this stuff going on with the Nuggets, but um, Wilson's a guy that I think goes kind of the way the team goes. And unfortunately the offense have been so clunky. He just hasn't, hasn't fit in very well. I don't know that you want Wilson forcing a ton of shots though. I mean, that's the thing I get, like he had three shots the other day. Do you want Wilson taking like seven or eight, four shots? Um, once the offense starts to find a rhythm, I think he's going to come around. Um, but we'll see. He certainly hasn't been very good offensively so far other than the third quarter of the Brooklyn game. Finch being fired hurts, but the Nuggets ran his offense all of last year. You have to have a lot of knowledge on the offense already. So here's I'm not, this is spoiling a little bit what I'm writing for tomorrow. You know, having an effective offense isn't just about what type of plays you run. It's about how you run those plays. It's about where you're supposed to be. And and you know Malone talked about this. They don't run a lot of they didn't run a lot of plays last year. The offense was very free flowing. I think it's much less free flowing this year. But even in the George Carl days, where you weren't necessarily like scripting play after play, what you were scripting was again the spacing uh, on offense, the timing on offense. Um, those things are more important than you let guys make reads within the offense. But right now, guys are you know screens are being set two or three feet away from where they're supposed to be so guys are catching the ball two or three feet away from where they're supposed to be and timing is two or three seconds off of what it's supposed to be on the weak side so by the time the ball reverses the guy's no longer is open so it's not so much what you run it's how you run it for example if I gave you the playbook and I anointed you coach of the Denver Nuggets tomorrow and you got three days to go practice with the team odds are even though you have the playbook the exact plays that you want the Nuggets to run they probably wouldn't run it well because you don't know how to 
you either don't know how to coach it or or you don't know the right things to emphasize and, and for the team to focus on. So it's not just what they do, it's also how they do it. And that's really what I think separates great coaches. Really like what I've been seeing from Elite Beasley in short spurts. Opinion on his future role as a possible backup two guard. Uh, it's, I've, I've said this with Malik a lot. I, I just haven't seen enough of him, but I, to comment on what I've seen of him this year, I've been very encouraged. You know, I don't think – the thing I hate is that at the in the G League and in Summer League, he's kind of like a, uh, a ball-in-his-hand creator. And I don't, I don't like him in that role. I do like him kind of like knocking down spot-up three-pointers, coming off of a handoff and attacking the basket. And fortunately, when he plays actual NBA basketball, that's the role he has. And I think he's done a good job. And the other thing about him, you know, Malone got really mad, I think, in the Atlanta game because he, he screwed up two rotations in a row, gave up a corner three on the left side, then the next play gave up a corner three on the right side. So that's a six-point you know, for that defensive lapse. But the thing I like about him is he does play with energy and effort. He looks to me like a guy that's thinking really hard when he's out there, but um, I like what I've seen. I hope that he gets to continue to play minutes like this while Wancho is out at the very least. What made Millsap and Horford and Millsap so uh, Millsap and Horford so successful together? And how do Jokic and Millsap get there? That's a good question because you look at Horford, he kind of has a similar skill set to Jokic, and uh, although less so, he's like a worse passer. He can't shoot nearly as well. I don't think he has as good of a feel on offense, So, and he doesn't rebound as well. But um, they do have a similar style of play. I think, you know, for one, Millsap has been a little bit disappointing in some of his post-ups, um, yeah, especially yesterday as he kept posting up Chris Stapps. It wasn't really working very well. I think, uh, you know, I think it's hard to say at this at this juncture. I, I really do just chalk it up to a newness. I think Jokic, part of this is on him in that he needs to kind of take over and orchestrate things even more on the offensive end, but it's really the execution. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily a flaw with the two. I still believe Millsap and Jokic are going to be a great pair. And, in fact, I think their numbers bear out that they're still looking pretty good more often than not when they're playing together, so... Uh, and most of that is because they're a good defensive pair. Surprise, surprise! But their offense will figure it out. In ten years, who do you think is going to be the best player? Ooh, I love that question, JP Kiyoshi. Um, assuming health, which is a big assumption, I'm going to say Joel Embiid. I think ten years from now. So how old would he be? Like 33. Mm, he might be a little bit on the older side there. So maybe I'm going to scale that back just a hair. Um, man. <sighs> Yeah, that's too. I think ten years is too hard to go because you're talking about all the youngsters in the league. Like even Jokic is going to be 32, so he's going to be on the downside of his career. If I'm going to change your question and make it and make it seven years, because I think that's where all these young guys are are going to be kind of still in their prime, and that's where I'll go with Joel Embiid number one. Again, assuming health, I'm going to go with Giannis as number two. I don't know if I have a good number three. That's a tough one. Anthony Davis, maybe still Carl Anthony Towns, although Towns' defense, guys, Towns' defense is worse than what people think Jokic's defense is. Um, man, that's a tough question. We'll have to see. There's, I'll tell you what, Luka Doncic might be my number three pick there. He'll be only seven years from now. He'll be like 25, 26. That dude, is, that dude I think, is a stud. Defend Jokic and Plumley, I dare you. Look, you guys, it's funny that I get the reputation of being a guy that defends these these guys because I don't 
I don't like Jokic and Plumlee lineups together. I think it's a waste of Jokic. Um, so, yeah, you're not going to get that out of me. Jamal Murray or Moutier? <sighs> Long term, you have to go with Jamal Murray, I think. He's he's probably the more promising player. I'm I'm not super high on either guy. And, and people – I'm really low on Moody, as people know. I just think that the mistakes he makes, I wish that there were some signs of him stopping to make those. I think he, I think Moody's shot is a lot better than people think. The turnovers are just, it's it's just, why do they still happen? Although, you know, he's had two games this year with zero turnovers, so maybe he's turning the corner. Jamal Murray, I think he's got to work on getting around guys, and that's a thing that I just don't know. A lot of times, that's a limitation that guys don't add that that quick burst of speed off the first dribble. So that's kind of the major flaw for him. But I'm going to go with Jamal Murray. I think Jamal Murray is going to be a very good player. Um, I don't know that he's going to be a superstar. The Nuggets made him a a can't trade type player, and I don't think he can do that. I don't I don't think he's that kind of guy. Bledsoe is still out there. Should we be more aggressive in trying to land him? Is it too soon to say we really need an experienced PG to be a playoff team? Is Moutier in a pick enough? I am not the biggest Bledsoe fan, and it's weird saying that because clearly he is a huge upgrade at the point guard position based on what the Nuggets have on their roster right now. He's the no-questions-asked starter. He brings an energy that the Nuggets need. So I'm, I'm in favor of them going and getting him. I'm not in favor of... You know, I think a lot of people think like, oh, you bring in blood, so they're a surefire, everything's solved. I don't think that's the case. In fact, I think it makes, you know, my November 20th date for when the offense is going to get going, and that moves that back way far. Now, it makes their floor higher. I think they can... I don't think they're the 30th best half court offense if if they you give them Bledsoe. I think their their floor is probably like the 20th best offense. But I think getting to that top 5 offense which is their potential, which is what I think they need to be, you know, as a playoff team. I don't I don't know that that's going to happen as easily. So that's my reservation. Moudier and a pick enough. Man, a pick is really enticing especially with how the Nuggets are playing right now. I think if you're Phoenix, you you look at that and say you know, probably the Nuggets make it lottery protected, but you you start to think, man, that might be the the fifteenth pick in the draft, which is pretty darn good. Like the this draft is is supposed to have a lot of talent. You can find a good player at fifteen. If you're the Suns, you you have your pick plus the fifteen pick. That just gives you a lot of flexibility plus a bunch of young players. Um, but they have to make the salaries match. So now you're talking about including somebody like Darrell, Kenneth Freed, um, Wilson Chandler. I think. I, I, I think some of those guys. So it's probably enough, but they'd have to include one of those players that's earning a big contract. If you were Tim Connolly, are you looking to make any moves for consolidation? Um, <laughs> you know, this is one way, one area where Tim and I, I think, have a different uh, outlook on things. Connolly has done some some podcasts over the summer where he has said that he believes you can't have a, too many good players. There's no such thing as having too many. Um, I, I don't know that I agree with that because I think – you have to know who you're – there has to be an established pecking order. And I think Malone has done, to his credit, I think he's done a very good job this year of establishing that pecking order. Last year I thought the rotations were erratic. This year I think he's done a very good job. Um, but still, there's guys like Trey Lyles that where do they fit on the roster? Can you maybe – can you maybe consolidate and get some a player for that? You know, Wilson Chandler, is he a guy that you can move um, along with some of the youth, Beasley, 
Leiden Lyle, somebody like that, and maybe get an upgrade at the small forward. You know, that that's the kind of thing I would do if I, if I were Tim. And I imagine the Nuggets will, again, be, be active in trades during the season here, especially if they're kind of on the bubble like they appear to be. Would you trade a Barton, Moutier, and Fareed for a PG right now? This is a funny question. So here's the funny thing about that. The Nuggets need Barton really bad. I, I think he's the scapegoat for people. And I don't, I don't really understand why. I think because he takes like a lot of shots and he's an aggressive player. And and sometimes when that looks bad, it looks really, really bad. The the Nuggets need guys that can force the defense to react. And Barton's like the number one guy on the team at doing that. Um, Moody is actually one of the better guys on the team at doing that. So would you would you trade it for a PG? If it was a PG that could create, yes. But if it was a PG that that you know maybe. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I think Will Barton is an incredibly important piece of this team, and I think the Nuggets are probably going to miss him next year because I don't think they can afford to retain him. Jokic's jump shot looks so money this year. Have you noticed any changes mechanically, or is he just in better shape? I think more than anything, he's more confident, um, to be honest with you. And his shot does look awesome. No mechanical differences. He still does some really funny, like, high-arching shots. Um He's taking a lot of jumpers, which I I don't like. It, he's taking them within the offense. I don't think he's forcing anything. I just I think a healthy offense means he's getting inside a lot a lot more. Alex Ramirez Sports. How long is Juanchito out? Juanchito, our bo- our boy Alex. Alex hosts the radio station. Uh, the final word on Sundays. Check him out on Mile High Sports. Um, Juanchito is out with mono for four to six weeks. They'll reevaluate. I've heard from a lot of people who have gotten mono that it's no joke. And when you get it, it's not like you just hop back in four to six weeks. Your body has like lost all conditioning and muscle, and he likely will not be the same player at all this season, which is a drag. So I hear somebody say, I'd rather keep Barton than get a PG. Um, I, I think I agree with that. I got questions on Twitter here. I'm going to go to Russ Hampton. It says, does the third quarter against the Knicks give you any hope that this team is starting to understand how they need to begin games? Good question. Um, no. I think what happened in the Knicks game was that the Knicks have horrible point guards and the Nuggets were able to take advantage of that uh, by putting pressure on. You know, you look at this next game, Toronto. You know, I don't think they're going to – Gary Harris is going to have as much success pressuring Kyle Lowry – um, 50 feet from the basket and kind of speeding things up. I think they're much more equipped to handle that. What I do think is, you know, the defense has just been in, has had moments of being impressive throughout the year. Um, so I would say I'm, I'm encouraged by that. But if you look at, if you look at both the Brooklyn game and the New York game, it was all turning turnovers into transition baskets. It wasn't solving the half court issues, which are going to linger for a while. Dr. Ledke, who I met out in Atlanta, uh, listener of this show, which is awesome. Moutier's play seems to be a bright spot from the road trip. Do we still need a vet PG? Moutier's play has been, I wouldn't say a bright spot. It has been encouraging in 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 part, and in part it has been really bad. You know, he still has three games this year. He has a game with it. He was a minus 23. He's a game as a minus 12 and a game that he's a minus 11. And those weren't all his fault. There was there were some games where he was actually okay, um, but you know those stretches of games where you just you give up like eight zero runs, they just happen far too frequently uh, with him. And so before I get any kind of encouragement from him, I'm gonna have to see those those disappear, <laughs> or at least be a lot less frequent. I'm gonna mess up this name. I see it all the time in my Twitter, but Saad. 
Do you think coaches improve significantly? If not, why aren't the Nugs actively looking for the best instead of settling for medi- mediocrity? Well, to answer your first question, yes, I do think that the Nuggets are that that coaches improve just like players do, and I've said this for a while. I think front offices improve. Um, it's not a job you can prepare for. Coaching the NBA is not like anything else. This is why college coaches generally don't have success. You can't just say like, oh, you coach these 18-year-olds, you're going to be good at coaching the NBA. The NBA is unlike any other coaching job. Um, so the only way for you to get better at it is to get better through experience, either as an assistant or as a head coach. I think head coaches do get better. Um, how much better? I don't know. So to say that the Nuggets are settling for mediocrity, you know, first of all, they have a coach that came into a team with 30 wins. His first year, they won 33. His second year, they won 40. So as frustrating as it is, I don't think it's as black and white as people think about, you know, oh, Malone is just this terrible coach. A couple more. Um... <laughs> people asking about about Bledsoe again and I, I've addressed that already on the show so somebody's telling me Vlado Kankar was actually highly rated in my model we will see how he develops overseas well that's encouraging um, I haven't heard much from about from anybody about Vladko Kankar so I'm going to just assume that he is a draft and stash maybe even a guy that was brought in to appease um, Misko uh, Raznatovich the, uh, the manager of Nikola Jokic and somebody kind of a power player out there what has the start of the season changed your opinion on? This is from Nathan Jansen. It's a good question. Man, I'd have to think about that one. What has it changed my opinion on? Um, you know, I think I think with Murray, you know, I was one of the people that thought there's no way you trade Kyrie or you include Murray in a Kyrie trade. And I think um, – you know, I think that was probably probably fit foolish, which I think is the number one uh, mistake I think fans make is you overvalue your pro- your own prospects. I think, um, you know, Murray, I still think is going to be a really, really good player. But, you know, I just th- I think the star potential with him is maybe a little bit lower than most people think. So maybe that was that was one of them. Um <laughs> You know, I don't think it's it's good to draw too many conclusions, though, at this stage. So I, I'm going to say not too much right now, Nathan. I appreciate the question. Good day, Adam. How many games out of the six at home do you think we will win? I reckon we can win five or six. Am I delusional? Well, a quick, quick answer to that is, yep, you're delusional, dude. Five or six. So let's just look at the schedule. Let's go one by one, and we'll give Adam's predictions uh, on the schedule. First Toronto tomorrow night. That's one I think is 50-50. I think the Nuggets are going to come out with energy. I'm going to go ahead and call that one uh, a win. No, I'm going to call it a loss. I'm going to call it a loss. Toronto's Toronto's a great team. Miami. Nuggets have struggled against Miami, especially against Hassan Whiteside. This is no gimme game. They've struggled uh, you know, with point guards that can manage the pick and roll well. I'm going to call that one a loss. Golden State is a loss. Brooklyn is a win. Oklahoma City, I think, is a loss. And Orlando is a win. So I think 3-3 three and three or 2-4. and four, so yeah, I guess I am on a different. <laughs> I'm a little bit more pessimistic about the Nuggets at the moment, but there are the, there are some games. The games that could go either way. I think Miami, Toronto, um, could go either way. Oklahoma City, puncher's chance, and then Golden State. You know, Denver has played well against them in the in the past. So so maybe who knows? I think that's it, guys. This was fun. I will try to do these maybe once a week or something. They're a little bit different than what I usually do with Locked On Nuggets, but I think kind of a fun way to interact. I'll keep them always to thirty minutes. Um, but I will be back again tomorrow with a brand new episode recapping what will hopefully be a Nuggets win over Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. 
leave a rating and review, and I'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.